Hey there, guys. This is James, one of your hosts of Was That In Good Taste. Just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up that at the beginning of this episode, there's an excerpt from a conversation with James Baldwin that has a little bit of spicy language in it. Also, this episode is going to be talking about Black history, Black culture, and the history around Black History Month. It's going to be awesome, a banger, fun, educational, and hopefully, as always, engaging. So, come on in, sit down, and remember, drinking isn't required, but it is recommended. The question you've got to ask yourself, the white population of this country has got to ask itself, North and South, because it's one country, and for a Negro, there is no difference in North and the South. There's just, you no know, a difference in the way they, in a way they castrate you. But that's, but the fact of the castration is the American fact. If I'm not the nigger here, and the, you invented him, you, the white people, invented him, then you got to find out why. Hello and welcome to Was That In Good Taste, your podcast for social justice making a whitey feel bad and really trying to explain why black history month matters as always i'm your host james barry and i'm joined by our co-host which is separate but equal chandler phillips (laughs) and of course don't forget to always follow us wherever you can like comment subscribe review it really helps it matters it really does a lot for us come on pull up Have a drink, participate. This week is a very special episode. Why is that, James? Well, because we're talking to Black History Month. What's up, Chandler? Do you feel guilty yet? Oh, already. You feel? I I was watching Lovecraft Country. I was been. It was a binge watch. uh, I'm still behind. It's funny because I'm the one. Was it me who told you about it? I told you. Oh, you told me, but I already knew about it. You knew about it. But I hadn't watched it yet. I'd watched like the first two episodes, Mm -hmm. and then you got into it, and then you getting into it re-got me Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. it. And then I got my HBO Max uh, subscription, and then I was like, all right. And then I I did a binge watch for an entire day, and then felt really bad about myself for the next week and a half. (laughs) Good. Well, you want to feel bad? Yeah. You want to feel bad? All right. So, you know, I want I want to catch up with you. I want to see how you're doing. But I want you to drink your the benefit of systemic racism. I want you to be bathed in it on this month. So we're drinking the Uncle Nearest 1856 aged whiskey. Of course, we go in depth on Behind the Bar every Monday, 8 a.m., wherever you get podcasts. But I feel like it's super awesome to, like, you know, make you drink your guilt. It tastes like oppression. It kind of does. Oppression. Ooh, oppression never tasted so good. (laughs) Think about it. Hold on. It does taste a little bit like oppression because it smells sweet. It smells of vanilla and of a little smoke, you know, and it tastes good. But, you know, there's a little bit of, it's a little burn there. There's a little bit of bite, a little bit of spite. You know, and of course the history of it, which we get into in Behind the Bar, is, uh, you know, Uncle Nearest is the slave who taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. So, yeah. And did he ever get credit from, kind of actually, a little bit. Huh. No, not really, but everybody knew it was him. Okay. It was an open secret. He got the street cred, but he didn't get, like, monetary credit. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not completely hip. I mean, who I'm, needs monetary <laughs> credit when you're a slave, right? I know, right? Aww. I'm not hip. I'm not hip. I'm not down with it when it comes to, like, you know, slaves getting credit for things. But they tend not to. Mm. But also... Wait, you mean in the place Lynchburg, Tennessee... They're not too keen on giving <laughs> slaves credit for their accomplishments. I thought it was I thought it was a Jewish place, David Lynch. I but thought it was like a you know I, I just was confused. I came there with my yarmulke on. I was like, oi, oh, good vaults. No, um, I honestly feel no joke that I make you feel super guilty. So what's going on? Anything new with you? You've been doing any stand up? No, okay. I mean, you answered your own question, I know, but right? still, I feel attacked. You're doing good? You're doing all right? I'm doing pretty well. I just, you know, I had my, my white guilt flames white hot the other day, and uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just just dealing. We're, we're watching the news. We're watching all the things that are happening. Oh, and, no, yeah. Um, it's hard to stay in a positive place, but I feel like we're doing it. We're still keeping our optimism. We're trying. I went sledding the other day to... Oh. 
shit. To feel... Did Cthulhu come out and be like, hey, white power? No, it just <laughs> felt good to squash down all that whiteness. Mm. Um, good ally, good ally. <laughs> good good ally. Yeah, <laughs> good ally. Yeah, everybody give it to him. Yeah, yeah. Woo. an ally over here. An ally over here. Look, I know this might be a hot take, but racism... Come on, it's pretty bad, right? Oh, it's bad. Oh, racism's bad. Ooh, give it to him. Ooh. You know, another hot take. Us white people had it too good for too long. Whoa, my God, they had it too good for too long. Hey, and I'm a black person. I think racism's also bad. Mm. And I feel... Oh. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I you feel have- oppressed. And I, well, I'm just trying to express my... I, I'm just trying... I feel sad. Things are hard. I, I... Are you trying to protest? Because I think you need to find a more appropriate method. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I can't. Look, tr- please try to keep keep your politics out of our podcasting. Um, this is a show that's meant as an escape. Oh, yeah. That's an wh- es- oh, yeah. That's why it's based on alcoholism. <laughs> it's an escape, and I don't you need you bringing your your blm agenda trigger warning alcoholism is not a joke we do not make fun of alcoholics we just happen to be alcohol abusers i don't think i abuse alcohol i just think we have a codependent relationship (laughs) which Um, i guess in its own way is a form of abuse so uh it's actually very interesting because just like lovecraft country which is awesome and honestly a little triggering. So, you know. Yo, I felt triggered just watching that. And oh. I'm just going to say, I want to make this like really quick. I'm not trying to be funny. But one one of the things that really confuses me a little bit is, um, yeah, I don't know why white people want to watch it. What do you mean? Like, so. I'm really big into sci-fi lore and, like, fantasy lore, and I like things that, um, like, have that kind of, that world-building background. And so, initially, I was like, oh, Lovecraft, I'm down with, like, this whole, it's it's kind of a D&D type thing. Like, you got the, the Cthulhu mythos, and, like, I was hoping it was, it would get into that, but really, it was about, um segregation and uh things that apparently are a lot worse than segregation (laughs) you know it's so funny because i didn't really know what it was but everybody was talking about how serious it was and how you know how they were like oh i love it and it's like it really draws it really takes cthulhu and i'm goth as fuck everybody knows like super goth and like I experienced stuff like Voltaire being like, oh, you're too, you know, they, they, he was talking to somebody else about me, but I, I heard him. He was like, why is he here? He's like, you know, blacks really can't be goth like that. And, you know, and blacks you, are the most goth. You <laughs> see that, right? And I was like, I, I, you know, I knew the show was going to be good, but I didn't, I wasn't enthused to watch it. There and wouldn't... I watch it in the first episode, you know, like they go to a sundown town. And the... Le- okay, legit. I did not know what a sundown town are you was serious? until I saw this show. And they exist. My ex used to live. Well, my ex, no, she's still, she lives in a sundown town in Florida. And she told me a joke once. The joke goes like this. One time, my father and his friends were in a bar and a black guy came in. So they lynched him. That's the joke her father used to tell. Sundown towns are not a fucking joke. They still exist, and when people talk about police, police brutality, the one thing that they always forget is the fact that the majority of the police police forces in this country are not New York with thirty thirty five thousand strong, or not L.A. Most of these places are small towns where the same bigots that raised that that raised you and teach you, they work in Dairy Queen. They're also the mayor and they're the chief of police. But so not only. So you're telling me the police forces in parts of this na- in parts of this nation that you know aren't the ones known for beating Rodney King or uh, harassing, um, you know, doing the stop and frisk policies. Those ones are worse, racially, uh, <laughs> just a little biased. bit. Um, 
Ooh, big yikes. And watching the first episode and seeing, like, you know, they go to the sundown town and they're running. When the monsters appeared, when when the monsters were chasing them, I was relieved. Right. Because before that, they were pushed under the ground. They were being accused of crimes they hadn't committed because they happened to be black. And they don't even know the people who committed the crimes are black, you know. And they're torturing them because they're outside. And think about this, too. Like, all right, monster gets them. They're going to be dead. They can kill the monster and not have to face repercussions for killing the monster. If they were to shoot a cop who was worse than the fucking, the thing that was going out and disemboweling people, if they were to shoot the then they got a whole other problem on their hands. It's, it was, um, it was jarring to say the least, but I think the cinematography, the storytelling, and also it, the emotionality of it. Like, granted, I didn't feel good. You ready about, for the guilt? I I already felt. No, the no. Gu- are you ready for it? This episode is gonna be called the very special episode hyphen and then under. There's like a thing to put like a subtitle, like a thing. It's gonna be you know making Chandler feel all the white guilt. I couldn't finish watching. Well, you go it I past already have the first Jewish episode. Gu- because it was too traumatizing. I really, the reason why I'm only up to episode five and like I really wanted to watch it is because I watched the first episode. The second episode was a continuation of the first. And in the middle of the third episode, I just was kind of overwhelmed and I couldn't watch it. And you were able to binge it really like in a few days. I It took me two and a half months to go after the first two episodes to get mm, back into it. But I don't know if it's because you're traumatized. You often don't, binge things that way if things grab you tell me tell me all right yeah but, yeah yeah called out damn well then uh man. then the eighth episode is gonna fuck you up dude well i'm on episode five i just finished episode five so we'll see you know um, so we're talking about black history month of course and we have to kind of have like a little bit of a history of black history month but I'm not going to read the blurb I put in the show notes. Of course, you can always find the show notes, which I haven't been posting in the description because I just haven't been, but I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to go back and do it too. Um, somebody, blah, 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 something happened. Black History Week. Black History Month is interesting because it's become a municipal holiday in a lot of places. Some places celebrate- Wait, what do you mean a municipal holiday? Like the, the city in the state celebrated. Okay. You know- it was initially meant like with to be, paid time off or like yeah 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 like in New York it's like a holiday it's a state holiday oh cool you know? um some places have General E Lee Day instead mm. on you the same mean, day you mean the leader of the Confederate Army oh oh I wonder why hmm. mm. isn't that interesting you mean so, the loser the one who lost in 1926 oh you know Carter Woodson and the A S A L H whatever they've decided to like have a day where black history was a focus in schools you know and actually when i grew up i always had this weird feeling about black history month where i used to like think it was like oh it's like i don't know it seems reductive a little bit but it also seems extraneous you know it seems like oh we only get a month but also why do you need a month you should be able to celebrate and focus on it because i never understood and I really recently only began to understand that it's about focusing and teaching students in school about black history. It's really an emphasis on the education part, yes. not on the corporate consumerism of yes. Black History Month. But of course, making a municipal holiday, I think, it does have its benefits because it encourages people to kind of be made aware of these things. It encourages people to be educated about these things. You know, white people don't like to be told about these things, but, you know. Because they make us feel. And, they just make us feel. That's the And white people don't like to feel things, even though we do. But it's, and it we don't like demeaning. to admit it. I know black people who are like, that who are like, is demeaning, but like, they're like conservatives. And they're like, we don't, you know, oh, black entertainment television, that's racist. Black entertainment television is racist. But I literally had a sound drop that i saved and recorded but i lost i literally am like the world's worst person but it's a clip from i think it's it's like vice or you know and she was talking and she was talking about how reverse racism doesn't exist because white people 
when when black people are bigoted, which they shouldn't be, it's very bad to be bigoted, to be angry, to be hateful. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter if your family was a slave. It doesn't matter if you went into servitude, like you know, fucking fifteen years ago. The bigotry and the hatred doesn't help. However, white people do not benefit. I mean, white people benefit from the systemic power, the systemic benefits of the world we live in. Whereas the world that we live in, if I call you a cracker, which you can say without impunity, because it doesn't hurt you. Me saying that has no harm. It does no harm. It does nothing. There is no societal benefit for me to call you anything. Well, because you look at the word history of it and, you know, the, the insults that white people can use to demean black people are much more powerful given the history but, you know, if you call me a cracker, it's just because I'm putting on the Ritz. <laughs> All right, that was dumb. I'm glad <laughs> you. Wow. I think you were a little low there. That's a good thing. I had to silence you because oh. you're white. It was intentional, just so you know. Because <laughs> you know what happens when white people like start saying things? You know what happens when you give white people power? Do you know? What happens when nigga, you give white people power? Nigga, this. Nigga. Nigga, please. Nigga. You know, can you lend a nigga a pencil? Just say it. Just say Nigga. So. Nigga. What did you call me? I did. Nigga. What? Nigga. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think of context. That is the. I'm black. I can say it. It's the quote from the teacher who who got in trouble for saying that. From to a, a white teacher. Yeah, from a white teacher. Yeah. You know, and the best part. So it, they made a parody of it in the boondocks. The best part. You know, the best part of him saying. Nigga. Is. <laughs> In the... <laughs> Come on. You're going to have too much fun with these drops. <laughs> too much fun what? With you saying... Nigga. Okay, I can't stop. I have to stop. I have to stop. Um, one of the, uh, I'm going to get fucking... I'm black, okay? I take these things very seriously, but making white people uncomfortable is like my fucking thing. So if any leftists listen to this and go like, how dare you say that? You're a fucking bigot because making white people uncomfortable is the fucking thing. It's the wave, okay? Um... So, it is pretty fun, is honestly. Pretty fun. Like, as a white person, even yeah. making other white people uncomfortable yeah. is pretty fun. Yeah. This is more fun? Nigga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, he actually, in the in the actual video, he sits there, and he holds up a piece of paper, and it says, nigga, and the N-word with the hard R, and it says it, and he's like, I said it with the H. I emphasize the H. Nigga. I really should have put it there, but I was like... You put a little tilde over the A. I had too much fun already with nigga, him saying... Nigga. 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 I had too much fun already with that. Imagine if I had him actually explaining nigga. I just imagine you, like, while you were putting in that, that drop, just fucking rolling the entire I time. I just... It's so... You know, I have so many opinions. You know. Oh, fuck. I didn't read the show notes. I, really, I literally would have clipped the Hulk Hogan thing, too. Like, I literally would have clipped the, the Brooker T thing. Like, I seriously just cannot fuck around, okay? Well, like, okay, alright. So, there's the there's the I'm difference in what okay, you can... one more time, one more time. Nigga. 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 Alright, you got your three in? White people saying it is just so disrespectful, it's funny. If anybody listens to this and you're like, How dare, how dare he? You did this, because if you're complaining, you're probably fucking white. And by the way, I actually did a bunch of different openings, like disclaimers. But I was like, yo, honestly, people don't want to hear the hard art, or they don't want to hear some stuff sometimes. So that's fair. But I had one, and I was like, yo, I'm not going to do that, because if you're a bigot, peace the fuck out. But they like that kind of shit. You know, if you're a bigot, be gone. And if you're going to cancel me... For fucking calling out white people for saying the world's worst things like nigga, fuck you. Anyway, but all right to to go back as to why there's there's the systematic thing, the systemic issue where white people can't say. Are you gonna hit the button? Okay, (laughs) I'm not gonna hit the button. I'm done with the button. I was expecting you to do it. Um. Because, like, all right, one of one of our talking points in here is uh, notable accomplishments and stuff that black people have made 
that have been stolen by uh, European and and white just by the white hegemony. Mm -hmm. Um, I was I was listing all the things. There's so many things. There's the cultural plunder. There's the music. There's we'll get into that. But I was thinking about the inverse. You know, because that's what you do. Of course. Oh, yeah, of course. And there is no inverse of like, well, what are the things, the cultural things that that black people have stolen from white people? There's none of it. It's all been foisted upon you. It's 100%. It's it's, it's true. Except for. (laughs) Oh, God, what is it? Except for the N-word. That was us. It was Oh my god. So white people saying, oh shit, I have <laughs> fuck, oh, I have an edit. Wait, white people saying, yeah. oh, you know why I had the button also? Because mm. actually I don't want to say it. I don't, I don't really like to say it, but if I have a white man saying, yeah. then it's fine. It, I mean, and also it's really, it's really fun to make fun of people saying, yeah. if they're white. Nigga, nigga this, nigga, nigga please. <laughs> That's a white person. Somebody can be mad at me. No, I didn't say Nigga. it wasn't me. It wasn't you. It was a white man saying Nigga. Okay. <laughs> but it, the power dynamics are at play is why there's I guess no reverse racism. But I mean there's there's bigotry and like you said, bigotry in all forms exists with all people. And it's not good regardless. Yeah. But the one way street of systemic racism and the privilege and that it um, that it allows. Am I am I a good ally? Is this no, how I, I think, do it? Actually, I feel like you're a, a good ally, and I think it's kind of important because I run into um. <laughs> Who's a good ally? You're a Who's good, a good ally? You're a good. Oh, you're a good ally. <laughs> no, um, I run into like a lot of you know, wipo. You have to say sometimes because you get zucked. This is left to speak. This is left to speak. You can't say the the w eight. I T E because you get zucked. Oh, honkies! <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't say those things, especially as black person. You get zucked. Mm. Like a Facebook, they like take you down, but, but not I, the good zuck. No, no, no. Is there a good zucking? I mm. feel like, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I think it's interesting because one of the things is that no matter where you go in Amer- in in America in the United States, but also where you go globally, you kind of run into this cultural plunder. Um, and I feel as though people kind of forget that because the cultural plunder does come in many forms. In Canada, it's the indigenous peoples of Canada who up to even 30 years ago were being picked up and taken to random places on the side of the road and being left to die. And none of the police officers that are still alive and not that old because it wasn't that long ago had been penalized, arrested, or uh, even really, you know... A, a, had any kind of repercussions for doing this uh even heading towards you you still but i mean it's not just canada even in america the number one most i guess was most likely to be assaulted or uh kidnapped is uh indigenous people or indigenous women Mm -hmm. or or uh I'm John Blake. Never mind. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's it's true. You know, um, indigenous folks have it hard everywhere. You know, the cultural plunder, and, and I think a lot of people. So this is a question that I wanted to posit, which was, um, why isn't it POC Day, right? So I was on Twitter and I had somebody be like, "What? Some? Yeah, I want to. Ooh, some stupid. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> some, some a, a black man." He was like, you know, PLCs, blah, 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 blah. And people don't understand intersectionality, but we're in America. See, Black History Month is not a thing in Europe. If it was, that'd be weird. Black History Month is an American thing which focuses on black people in America who were enslaved by the Europeans, the Indo-Europeans, the Spaniards, and other people. Because specifically American colonialism and the system of slavery that came out of it is distinct and unique mm-hmm. to America. It's one of the things that makes America so American. It is. You know, which is terrifying. The diaspora, 
really affects people um, in, in a daily fashion. And I think that, you know, when we're speaking about this, people like to make these... It's funny because pe- people are like, oh, you're a globalist. But you're making an argument about something, but we're speaking about something distinctly as a black American. Because it's not... Our, I mean, there ought to be space to discuss, to discuss colorism in America. There should also be a space... There should honestly, every month should probably be an educational push. Yeah, for some sort of minority group or targeted group in the country. Wait, now you want public education to actually educate people? What, this is America. I don't um, know if you know this, but Black History Month is wait, it's February, so twenty eight days. Wow, twenty nine on a good month. Oh boy, it's the shortest year, mostly, right? Or and sh- it's, you literally, you literally pick the shortest month. To spend the entire month talking about Martin Luther King. And Rosa Parks. And Rosa Parks. And I... I Remember, she said no. She definitely did say no. She was a defiant black woman who didn't respect authority. Oh. Oh my god. That hurt just to try to mockingly say. I couldn't even satirize that. that, Like, I felt (laughs) my insides kind of crumble a little bit just trying to make a joke about people who don't respect and i had to stop myself by the way because i literally have a bunch of clips i spent a long time clipping malcolm x king james baldwin all these people and i had to stop myself because if we're talking about cultural plunder if we're talking about um how when slavery was gone you know there was still uh slavery slavery hasn't left you know in the labor you speak about of musics uh, of whitewashed historical figures. Um, I, I speak of performative white people because I've mentioned someone I know who I, I'm not. Gonna, their name is in the document. I probably should remove it. Um, I've known them for a very long time. We'll redact it later. And I've always thought that they were a really cool, very nice person. But I started realizing that they were kind of bigoted and kind of strange. And you know, they live in Michigan. They have no fucking money. And yet, for some reason, they have no money, but they think getting a stimulus check is a weird thing. They can barely take care of their goddamn family, and they drop random things that are actually kind of bigoted, and they post random things that I don't understand. But then she posted some goddamn thing about representation in cartoons from black people, and I just don't understand because the... The the performativeism is ridiculous, you know. It's it's absolutely disgusting and sickening. And I don't want to attack her for the way that she looks, but like you know, I feel like, for example, she posted on Facebook about the girl with the gorilla glue in her hair. You mm. know, she was like, "Girl, bye. You cannot be this dumb. That was a whole ass choice. Nobody forced you to do that dumb shit." But like, the reality is, people sometimes do stupid things, right? And I also notice... Like trickle-down economics. I know, right? Her fucking Facebook, guess what she never does? What? She doesn't fucking attack people or post people or assault people for their bad mistakes unless they're black. Hmm. But you magically like to post things. Wait, you you mean she doesn't have a post about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about some all bullshit with Jewish space lasers? She posted some shit about how Marjorie Taylor Greene... Is like being like you know targeted for no reason, Ooh. and she had the audacity Wait, so to tell she me did make that a... she's fucking a black man, so she's not racist. Wait, you mean so she's fetish she's fetishizing um, a black man, but um, but isn't racist because it's a hot fetish and not like one of those murder fetishes. Don't even get me fucking started. Yikes! Oh, oh. I'm sorry. You continue. You have. You have. I wanna. Let the white man, let the white man take control of the conversation. No, 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 this is your... Co- no, no, like, no. Okay. I'm too excited. Do I even... Like, how would I even take control of a conversation... That's easy. ...about... God damn it. <laughs> Continue, come on, come on, come on. About Black... Alright, about Black History Month, alright, what point as... As me, as a as a white ally, or at least trying to be as much of as an ally as I can be, at what point do I need to just sit down and shut up, or do I need to... Alright, is silence violence, or do I just need to listen? My ex, February, 
who is very interesting. Uh, there's actually some awesome episodes like being the abuser, uh, um, uh, intrusive thoughts. Why am I even making this episode that we did on the art of giving up, which is super awesome. And one of their things was always about stepping back and like, they were always never want to engage in conversation. And I, I said something once, it's like, you know, I feel like this is a cop out, you know, but it's all about context. I, I mean, you don't want to be running around just like, yo, obviously, but what if I'm like really down to where I think I can promote the black community by saying, (laughs) honestly, if you, for example, if you're in a, a Starbucks and you see a young black woman her order and they're not really paying attention to her or they're not being kind to her right you know and you're a man you know you're a cisgender male and you are white if you were not being like hey yo what's going on here that might benefit you know but if people were having a conversation about things you know that are really pertinent or personal you know what the fuck you gotta talk for it has nothing to do with you you know and also by the way intersectionality is true and real if you're if you're at a march supporting black women, you know you're there to support black women. Uh-huh. But it's their voices that you're there to support. You know, you're there to be there for them. As a Jew, as a person who has Jewish heritage, you have your own trauma. As a male in America of your age, you have your own trauma. If you deal with anxiety and depression, that's your own trauma. And there are spaces for that. And there should be. And people who say there aren't or shouldn't be are ridiculous. Everyone has to deal with something. And there has to be a space for everything. And it's intersectional space. Most intersectional spaces, however, also don't really include cis white men, straight white men. Uh But I want to support intersectional spaces. Support by giving money. Support. I don't for, got money. I'm broke as fuck. Uh, you know, support why, you know, when I go to like BLM marches during the summer, even during COVID, everybody had a mask on. Uh-huh. We're fucking doing the BLM march. You see people, because outside dining was happening at the time, people would sit outside. Guess what they were doing? What were they They're sitting outside, and some of them look away. Some of them fucking stand up and cheer. During the protests after, after George Floyd died, people... You don't have to fucking go and like be like, I'm in the street. Yeah, a cab. Whose streets? Our streets. Whose streets? Our streets. I mean, fuck the motherfucking police. Not to signal ver- or, uh, yeah, virtue signal or anything, but I was at the one in Sacramento. Yeah, but, um, but like, it's fine. But like, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, if you're a, an ally and you don't feel comfortable doing that, you know what you do? Like, show up with a fucking thing of some saline solution you know come with food you know like you got five dollars donated to a bail fund you know do what you can to support you know because you don't have to use your voice you don't have to use a personage you don't have to be on the front lines if you are like there was a moment where i felt bad that i wasn't on the front lines but i knew it wasn't my front lines to be on you know like you don't have to be so it's not a responsibility. And and the thing is, I think that like, you know, you're helping absolve me of guilt. And I don't think that's what this episode oh, is about. No, don't worry. Your people are the ones who say, yeah. um, I know my people are the ones who say, Oi, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I really do feel all, all kidding aside that we have to be very careful. You know, allies are allies, not enemies. And that's very important for a reason because we're here, we struggle together in some ways, and we do have to identify, but I think that the virtue signaling, the, you know, listen to ContraPoints, they're like a, a, a trans YouTuber who's a leftist, but they kind of don't like to fall into the, I'm gonna get canceled. Uh-oh. You know, ContraPoints is not really, like, problematic, but, like, certain people who do the things that ridiculous leftists do, like she had a she had a conversation once where it was like a moderate version of her versus a, like a, a it was no it was a, a fascist version of her versus a leftist version of her and the leftist version was well spoken and eloquent and the leftist version who was the one who's most who's right had like cat ears it was like with a bat and it's like fuck you Nazi you know because that's what kind of happens especially for white allies huh. you know you gotta fucking chill you gotta know when to address the situation correctly you have to know when to fuck go into a protest if you see someone you work with being treated incorrectly or improperly or not being respected by white co-workers speak up 
that's way more of a benefit. You know, if you know that you make more money, it's about the personal changes that you, or it's about the individual changes that you see in your in your personal life, and that's really what being an ally is about. Epis- I'm about right? to get some spoilers. Uh-oh. Episode four, uh, there will be violence. I believe it was was the episode of Lovecraft Country. Right, one of the big things is you see people behaving, right, and white people acting crazy and being ridiculous. It's the responsibility of other people around them to corral them. It's the responsibility of we have to hold each other accountable. And I feel like same with black people. Some black people be on some crazy fucking shit, you know. And there's there's reasons for that with trauma. There's lots of reasons, but just because there's reasons don't mean it's appropriate. You gotta response. you yeah. gotta fucking wild <clears throat> that. You gotta get that shit together, bud. Go get your COVID vaccine. Wear a fucking mask. You know what I mean? Like, do your do what you gotta do. And if you're a fucking white ally in a fucking space, mostly full of white people, pull your fucking shit together, bud. You know, give your balls a tug. You know, fuck, <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I did good today. <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> you, you really got your uh, your Canada going. Hey. Hey. Candy geeses. Candy geeses. You got a problem with candy geeses? Got a problem with me. So what other? All right. We we talked about this just kind of in private a while ago, but oh, there's problem oh. there's problematic faves that you got. Like there's things. Oh, no, you don't want to get into problematic. No, faves. like Michael Jackson. I don't think he's that problematic because black people don't think he did it. And I noticed that like white people think he did it, but oh. black people don't think he did it. That's because like we were talking about, um, you know, things white people have stolen from black people. Uh, Michael Jackson is one of the few cases cases where we gave him back. <laughs> oh god between him and oj we kind of just re-gifted i know right no michael <laughs> jackson i actually spoke to somebody about this um you know i if you ask my opinion you know people say that he did something to them then i believe them but what has happened is that everybody who accused them apparently has turned out to like they've retracted it and also i do believe that he had unhealthy relationships with children i think his people are like oh i don't think he did it no make it very clear i mean i'm not sure if he molested children but i think that regardless he suffered from arrested development as a result of trauma from his father but i don't know if he molested children and if somebody said he did i just believe them immediately you know, I don't like think he, he did, as in like he molested them. Yes. Like if they have yeah. the personal, if they're like, "Hey, he molested me." I'd be like, "Fuck it, I believe you." You know, right? But because you want to believe victims, there's no one who's who's stuck by this story. But it's very clear that his behavior with children is inappropriate. It doesn't matter if he has arrested development. The people around him, even if he wasn't molesting them, they letting him fucking hang let out him, with children. They didn't corral him. It's very important. It was the responsibility of the people around him who knew better, who who ought to have, you know, kind of kept that shit in line. It's true. It's the same thing with R. Kelly. You know, some of R. Kelly's songs are bangers. The reality is the man can barely read. The man can barely produce his own things. Um, The man is very talented, but, you know, just like, uh, you know, young Mike Tyson, young Mike Tyson is out there. You know, coming from the streets, he's being taken advantage of by Don King, you know. But what happens is that these people make the people around them money. So what they do is, is that they take it, they, they facilitate the bad behavior. They facilitate the poor behavior. No good. No bueno. Uh-uh. No, no. Nada, nada. It's not good. It's no, not... no. Hmm. Hmm. Uh-uh. None of that? None of that. Insane. Even look at Uncle Nearest and that shit, right? You know, like, think about that shit. Think about how much weird it must be to be the descendant of a fucking slave who pretty much like created American whiskey, not just Tennessee whiskey, and like you have a good paying job at the fucking distillery of the person for whom the person that's your relative was a fucking slave. That is a little <laughs> bit weird to be like. To, I guess to profit off of the slavery of your ancestors but would it be weirder to not profit off their labor like this is 
I guess them make the 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 Green family making the best out of I guess the worst situation where uh, they're however many generations removed. Grandfather um, didn't get shit for his work. He was not being paid. If anything, the person who owned him was getting paid for his work. And now they've been able to monetize a family... Like, this should be a success story of uh, African-American... What is it? Generational wealth accumulation. Like, this was a a bond of... I mean, granted, they're not nearly the distribution empire that is Jack Daniels. Of course, yeah, yeah. But still, it managed to pay off in the long run. Should they feel bad about profiting off of that oppression? I mean... Or even, should they feel bad about using that story as a method of profiting off that oppression? Um... I would say earnestly, probably not, because part of what they're trying to do is probably earnest, but also there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. What do you think this is? Like, this is not, you know, like, people trying to make money out here, and to be honest, if 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 a black family can, like, make more money, you know, and at the same time spread the knowledge and information about this... I think more power to them. I think... Nearest ought to be more popularized, and I'm kind of disappointed that every time I've ordered a Jack and Coke, the bartender didn't say, "Hey, you know, this recipe was actually stolen by a uh, <laughs> stolen." Would you love by, that? Like that? <laughs> Is it? You imagine you're in a crowded bar. You're like, "Yo, we get a Jack and Coke." The entire bar goes silent. Is it actually? Just so you know. Just so you know. Uh, just, just so you know. <clears throat> Nearest Green was an African American slave of Dan. <laughs> Cow, call a Lutheran minister and nearest would you just love for them to just hit you with like the fucking like truth like here's a Jack Daniels but the recipe isn't yeah. his yeah. and they throw you a black power fist I'd, at the same time I'd kind of appreciate that you know wouldn't, wouldn't you love that a little bit there's actually some stuff here I thought was super interesting fuck man there's, this stuff is so crazy so you know you're talking about like white guilt and you know really addressing it and there's one thing that you mentioned to me before we spoke about this in private about the uh, the Black Wall Street. Oh yeah, you know um, because of course if you've ever watched uh, Watchmen, the first scene is of the main character as like a child uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma during the Red Summer, where white mobs massacred the uh, uh, black people in. Um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on Black Wall Street. And this is something, to be honest, that I, I'm i well-read. And I've read about it. But I forgot it. It's one of the millions of things it's that I forgot. not and a popularized thing. When like, I watched Watchmen, I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I think I one time maybe read something on my own about this. Alright, so I think you've even told me about like how you've managed to get reparations out of people i did the air quotes no around oh i forgot about that oh the reparations facebook groups i forgot about that oh shit i'm about to hit them up with some money right like what uh, so i said right you're trying to get some i'm saying you should get some money Uh because we both it benefits both of us oh yeah (laughs) just like dan cal um No, but like white guilt is so strong. It's it's there and people don't know how to be allies, I suppose. And so like it kind of manifests into uh these these reparations group or these Facebook groups that are are what's you know more about these groups. I but, forgot about this. The biggest one? Yo, I actually got money from them once. That's when what I you were money, telling me. I forgot about that. And the main one that I used to go to, which is a small group, it's called Reparations Pay With You O. The last post on there is from the admin, and she's like, yo, from this point forward, anybody directly... No, no, I saw it. Uh, what was it? It was... Honestly, I'm tired. I run this page for free and can't get a little help when I suddenly and violently lose my job. Folks keep telling me no one can help here, and I see they're right. I'm archiving the page. Because I can't focus 
I'm trying to keep groceries in my house, finding a new job, paying my bills, and run this page that gives zero support. But, you know, I did get a little support, but uh, one of the problems is, is that, like, you need some damn... It's hard, man. You need some money, and stuff is hard, and, and, and the people there are kind of supportive, but it's it's hard, because it's like, it stretches you out, you know, because a lot of people need money, a lot of people need support, a lot of people don't have support systems, and it's not really your responsibility, Chandler, to give me money if I'm starving and struggling. It's not your responsibility to do that for people of color who are fucking starving and shit, you know? But I think if everyone, regardless of what color they are, could do that for someone, you know? If anyone could be that kind of selfless and... But I mean, I just... $5 is not that selfless. All the fucking liquor that we buy for the podcast, if somebody's hungry in the street... We literally could fucking give so many people food. You know what I mean? I've given people liquor in the street. <laughs> I just, uh, I find the whole, hey, like... What's up, my... Oh, I didn't, it didn't work. What's up, my... Nigga. <laughs> you thirsty? Yo, my... Nigga. You real thirsty, aren't you? Actually, I only give liquor to white people. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. It, I just, I'm fascinated with the fact that these, these allies so to speak, uh, feel like they can kind of just absolve themselves of white guilt by just paying money. Uh, like, I... it's it reminds me of, like, uh, another Martin Luther that uh, went against indulgences by the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you think you could just buy your way into heaven, or you can buy your way into feeling more secure. I just thought... It's it's fascin it's a fascinating thing and well I have how do uh, how do you feel opinion. what's your hot take on oh, that no. I'm gonna get fucking canceled as fuck out here um eventually so this is this is the like the reality is that we're all gonna be fucking one color eventually cultural things kind of don't matter culture appropriation matters even to me but also it doesn't matter because Cause globalization because you know. And most Marxists, Marxist, Leninists, Communists, Socialists are, you know, are globalists. This stuff is all going to fade away, but there's historical importance in these things. So, you know, we have to address these things and be educated about them. But, like, it's not really your responsibility to feel guilt. If anything, instead of guilt, it, it should be, you shouldn't feel guilt. You should feel a proactive anger, you know, especially as a white person rage, you should be like, yo, I'm in this, I'm in a society and I benefit from things that people who come from the same place as I do, because from where you live, people who come from where you live, who say these work at the same places have less than you. That should enrage you. It should make you angry. It should make, it should, why, why would you feel guilty? You shouldn't feel guilty. You should feel like you need to do something it makes me want to yell that some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Oh my, well, you know, it's true. <laughs> the empathy is there. It it does manifest as an anger and a frustration. And I think that's what I felt the most out of watching Lovecraft Country. It wasn't necessarily guilt. It was disappointment that we haven't grown more since the time period it took place and it was anger and frustration that we're still stagnating on the injustices they're like we're still perpetuating those injustices it's it's it may be traumatizing for you for me it was infuriating and to the point where you feel kind of powerless against that but you got to you got to rage you gotta rage hard. You gotta rage against the machine. Uh, there's one thing I always have to make very clear. You know, because I spent a lot of time on Twitter recently, of course, at What Funny Friend. But I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And one of the things that happens, I realize, is that, like, you know, people of color and trans folk, like queer folk, are always asked of to explain things. And it's fatiguing, you know? It's very fatiguing. It's not their responsible or responsibility to inform. They're they're not the teachers, but they do have to, I guess, contribute to the coalition that enforces things like Black History Month, where 
the the systemic change isn't going to happen unless there's uh, a, 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 a catalyst on a personal level. And we're not going to have Pride Month without, you know, people pushing for these these things. Because the, the more we grow, the more we come, the more we become cognizant of these inequalities. And the more people ought to be empowered to to draw attention to it. And I think once it gets to the education level, once we can start informing the younger generations more and more about um, the struggles, or just the history. History is important and all that good shit. Well, is actually one thing I want to touch on before we wrap up, which is something that you dropped here, which I just really want to address, which is you, you make a comment here about corporate commodification of black history, like with Pride Month. And we spoke about it a little bit, but I want to be very clear is that it's done nothing but good. And so here in New York City, I used to work in a Starbucks on 6th Street in, 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 uh, in you know, oh, actually, yeah, 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 on, uh, on between 6th Avenue, between 8th and 9th Street. And Jesus Christ, it was infuriating and, and, and painful and annoying and seeing police officers that, you know, that, that might just arrest me because the way I look wearing pride flags could be infuriating. But we want to encourage and normalize these things. The corporate commodification of these things means that people are concerned about making money about it in the world we live in. Making money matters more than the actual people suffering and starving. It helps normalize it. And if we can... It's it's a step-by-step basis. It's kind of like working out where you don't necessarily want to be on the treadmill when you're on the treadmill, but afterwards you're glowing. And Oh, I love that. Yeah, glowing. Right now we're still running. I just I'm looking forward to when we're glowing. You're such a good ally. Everybody, I... Chandler, good ally. Yeah. No, 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 please, please. It's it's just who I am as a person. Man, I just so, care so much. I'm so passionate about this. I, I feel like we did a really good job, and I really want people out there to really kind of understand. I, I'm just saying that, like, you know, black folks, we just have to support people of color and artists of color. We just have to do that. Just say it. I think the audience thinks you're pandering. Oh, that's what, <laughs> oh, that's what's happening. You know. Got you. That's what's happening. This has been a good conversation. I love, I love, you know, honestly, I like to crack a lot of jokes, you know, and I like having this drop. But one of the things I just made very very clear is that we joke and stuff like that. But like, I do think you're a good ally. And honestly, now that I'm older and I've changed a lot, you know, I don't like to surround myself with people who are bigoted. I I don't even want to do that. You know, I do try to listen to people and I do try to engage with folk, but you know, if you're bigoted, we're not going to be friends. You know, if you're a sexist, we're not going to be friends. If you're transphobic, we're not going to be friends. You know, it's very important to have this time to reflect on things. And I didn't used to understand. Black History Month seems ridiculous sometimes. It's like only one month after everything that's ever happened. But there's a lot going on. And the education, making sure that our kids know and you know, really trying to... I mean, like, listen. It's only fucking Dr. Martin Luther King and fucking Rosa Parks, but places still have General Lee Day. Some people don't even have that, you know? Like, this is really a struggle. Every day. And it doesn't seem like it, because I live in fucking Brooklyn, and I'm from the Bronx, and when I was in the Bronx, I was about black people. When I'm here, so white people who are, like, kind of nice to me, they're like, oh, hi, James. How you doing? You know, it doesn't That's really, exactly what I sound you like. You know, that is what you sound like. I don't really fucking deal with that stuff so much, but when I go into places and people follow me around, when I've been arrested for crossing the street, when I've been arrested for being on the train, when I got arrested for like jaywalking twice, being purchasing things, when I was in the Bronx and I was purchasing some stuff in the store, they accused me of stealing, and I literally cursed the guy out, dumped my bag out, and made him apologize to me. I literally cursed him out in Spanish, and I was like, you better fucking apologize, because you see this? 
there's nothing here that fucking belongs to you. I'm literally out here at the register. I come from Brooklyn to go to my own neighborhood because it was cheaper and I could afford it. I came all the way up here to purchase shit. And you're fucking, I literally flipped my whole shit. Stuff is not changed. When you listen to Malcolm X talk, the things that he's talking about, the anger he has, the things he speaks about, the things that Martin Luther King talks about have not been rectified or remedied. It's still happening every day today. And in some ways it's worse because now you have black people and trans people, trans people of color, all queer folk, Muslims. Like it's, it's kind of become worse. But it's not worse because it's gotten worse. It's worse because our discourse encompasses more problems. The things haven't gotten. I think the, the capital right has something to say about that. The problems haven't been worse. They're just being recognized. And I think that's. I don't know. I feel like it's about opening the discourse. One of the things that really happened. Engaging. You ready for this? Hit me. One of the worst things to happen was the people, the colorblindness kick. People being like, this thing doesn't happen. This thing's, you know, we spent, I feel like the, the first decade of the 2000s really concerned about terrorism, not really addressing systemic racism and bigotry and sexism and homophobia. <laughs> We're all colorblind unless you're an Arab. That doesn't, that doesn't help. That hurts, you know. It, yeah. So like, it, it didn't vanish, you know. It just was swept under the rug for a while. Oh, it, it was dormant. White people. Oh, them damn. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I meant to say. What What did you mean to do? Oh, you don't have a drop for even what you intended. That's not true. I do, but I'm, I'm not gonna cuss it now. Yeah, it's it's game over. Yeah. Anyway, um. Do you want to close it? This is, I guess. Honestly, I, I want to thank, you know, having these kind of conversations is super important. Participating in these conversations is super important. Being involved and invested in these kind of things is super important. And you don't have to be perfect. We all make mistakes. That's why we're here. And if you have any questions, if you're mad at me for using that drop like 80 times because I thought it was funny. One, remember a white person said it? Like, I didn't say, <laughs> wait, not once. Which... Witch drop? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't... Oh, you should cancel him for that. You know where you go to cancel him? Oh, you go to Instagram. C underscore underscore honey. C honey. Or at Humble Bumble... No, that's wrong. That's the other one. No, that's Bumble, Bumble Bumble Bear. Bumble Bear Comedy dot com. Like Bumblebee? B-U-M-B-L-E B-E-A-R Comedy dot com. Cancel him. For making that joke. He deserves it. And uh, of course... Quick disclaimer. Um, oh, no. I wasn't laughing at at the drop. Yeah. I was laughing at your enthusiasm yeah. at the drop. It's a white person saying it. It's like the best... It's like a gift from the heavens. And so if you want to cancel him for having this drop... A white person trying to get me canceled. Wow. Uh, you can go to uh, Instagram.com at The Art of Giving Up. Or uh, Twitter at what funny friend? Yeah, you could do that. It's super awesome. Honestly, don't forget we're here every single Friday. That's right, every Friday at eight a.m. Don't forget like, comment, subscribe. Please comment. This is super important to us. These topics sometimes they're crazy, they're difficult, but we try to have fun with them. We want to have fun with you. And of course, on Mondays at eight a.m., we take a little trip behind the bar where we expand on our cocktail choice. Why? We learn, we educate, and we taste. And we taste. Quick. Um, most influential black artists you can think of. One. Ellie Fitzgerald. Oh, you're so... I fucking hate you. You know why I hate you? Because that's what you were thinking? I thought it was going to be a man, and I was going to ask you to fucking pick a woman of color. Oh. Fuck. Uh. I, I, damn it, I can't... Uh. Damn. If only you could shame me more. Damn it, I really wanted if to If only shame. I weren't such a damn good ally. Damn, you're a good ally. You really <laughs> fucked me up. And you answered so quick that I believe you. That's so crazy. That's who I was listening to on the way over yeah. here. What's a black artist? Do they exist? Uh, welcome to NPR. Hi, I'm Ivor <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I want to work for NPR one day, so Ira, I like you, buddy. You know? <laughs> You know, fuck. This is Freakonomics Radio. Um, yeah, so that was Was This in Good Taste? 
was oh shit no that's wrong was it in good was, taste no it's was that uh, this is was that in good taste and it wasn't yeah. uh, there were some hit and misses uh, anyway yeah so. uh thanks for joining us uh remember drinking is not required but it is recommended oh 